Jake, are we good? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you are patient with us. Thank you that you are our parent, mother and father. You encase all of it. You have mothering traits. You have fathering traits and traits we can't even comprehend. So today, I pray you send your Holy Spirit to be the teacher today. Uh, I pray that you have stuff jump off that screen into our hearts, the things that need to hit us. Uh, So, Father, may we all be teachable today, especially me. Amen. All right. So my apologies to our guests again. (laughs) You know, some churches you go to and they talk about giving all the time. This is the first time in three years. So (laughs) we've been behind on that, but I've been having fun. So last, last week we began part one on the grace gift of giving. And uh, here's what we covered so far. Uh, how giving has gotten a bad rap. We talked about last week. Go back to last week and listen. It was a very full message. What does the word tithe mean? We covered that. Uh, old covenant versus new covenant giving. What's the difference? Uh, then we talked about an old argument versus new and old, uh, which I'll, you can watch it and find out what it was. Uh, giving is a response and a passion. Uh, we talked about that briefly. And, to, and we started last week how the scriptures encourage us to be giving people. Uh, And this is not the club. I made this clear. This is not the club of you have to give. That's not what the intent of this message is all about. And by the time we're done today, and I promise to go over time, just warning you, okay? Just because if you saw the slides, there's no way I'll, uh, I'm not going to continue next week is what I'm saying. (laughs) All right? So we got to what, one o'clock, right? Just kidding. Just kidding. So today I'm going to cover some more of how we're encouraged to give throughout the scripture. uh, And not just finances. This is not we're not talking about money just here, okay? Just in case. So if you're bent out of shape with somebody talking about money, relax. Then we're going to talk about can teachers, pastors, ministries, churches ask for support? Is there legitimate grounds for that? Uh, or is it all manipulation and just a way to, to get cash into the, into the, into the beast? So just that, we're going to talk about that briefly. And then, of course, we're going to talk about healthy attitudes of giving, things that we can walk away with and say, okay, these are the things we need to keep at the core of who we are and remember when we address the topic of giving. So let's dig in. Last week, I had a pastor uh, message me and asked a question about part of the text that I've used. And uh, it was from the 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 3 in the Passion Translation. That's what TPT stands for. Um, this particular verse, every Sunday was the translation there. It should say we because it's, it's showing an intent here. Each of you make a generous offering by taking a portion of whatever God has blessed, blessed you with and place it in safekeeping. Then I won't have to make a special appeal when I come. So the question was here. Is Paul replacing the old law of tithing with a new one that you have to save up every Sunday? The answer is no. That's not it at all. Um, He's not instituting a new law. He's using a principle. So look, when you get together weekly, here, here's a good idea. Save up so we don't have to deal with uh, big problems later. And that's, that's what the intent of this piece of scripture is. So I wanted to give a shout out to the, this pastor uh, because he's right. You know, it's, it's not about legislating a new rule in. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, go back to last week and you will catch a bit of it this week. Encouraged to give throughout scripture. Let's continue. Luke 6.38. In the uh, New American Standard Bible, it says, Give and it will be given to you. First word is give. 
Okay, that's big. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This is not just about financial giving, but it is about financial giving as well. This is a principle that can be true in almost every area of your life. Being a generous person with with compliments and encouragement of others, it will come back to you. You will be encouraged as well. There is an awesome principle here at work. Uh, the, The Passion Translation says, Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more, abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflow measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. So sometimes uh, people who are cheap, wondering why they're struggling. (laughs) But I've come to see over the years, generous people tend to have the ability to continue being generous. It's a weird thing. I'm just showing you what the scriptures say, all right? This is pretty cool. Where giving is framed as both an act of trusting in the grace of God and that sowing grace escalates grace, this is not about a slot machine idea. So what we don't want to do is use this, well, I want to get more from God, therefore I'm going to give more to the system. That is not what this is about. And by the time we're done today, I hope you'll have a, I'd say a really great balanced biblical attitude and understanding of what giving is supposed to look like. It's very exciting to me. Second Corinthians 9 goes like this. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly, oh, there it is again, look at that, weird, uh, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Here's the key. Each one must do it just as he has purposed in his heart. Or her heart, it's, it's both, you know that, right? All right, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word there is hilarious, a hilarious giver. I've never seen anybody break out in laughter when we take up an offering. It's more like, (laughs) that's more what I would probably see. (laughs) But there is room for hilarious giving. And here, this this is sharing with us and showing us an attitude that the church needs to see. This is not about pressure. It cannot be, especially you can't use the God card when you beg people to give. Here at Hope Fellowship, what's the number one thing we say when we talk about giving to Hope Fellowship, to this location? What's the key principle? Has anybody caught the general drift of how we ask? Anybody remember? Yeah. We're a family. Give where you're fed. Do you hear a God club in that? God's going to get you if you don't. And uh, the guilt trip, this is not about guilt giving. No way. We're under grace, and my goal is to point everybody to the grace already in you. And you listen to that voice as you determine each one in their hearts. To those who determine they don't want to give anything, I want to encourage them to grow up. Because it is a natural overflow of maturity. Sorry, it just is. So if it's a difficult topic, that's okay. It'll come. Don't worry. Uh, This is not about guilt trip. Stay where you are. The Holy Spirit's big enough to get your attention and to correct the thinking and patterns. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything. So who's your provider? Your Heavenly Father. Yeah, who's your daddy? (laughs) He's the one providing for you. 
always. You may have an abundance for every good deed. In verse 10, now he supplies, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing, through us is producing, through us is producing thanksgiving to God. When we give, it produces a heart of thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Thanksgiving. It's, it's about our response, not about the duty of must. I want this to be a joyful experience. I don't want it to be a begrudging thing. I want it to be, yeah, you'll see in a few minutes. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which God through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. There is a practical part of giving that meets the needs of the work being done. Back to when Paul was uh, saying, hey, save up your money uh, each week so that when I come, he's talking about a, pro- a project. They were specifically dealing with really suffering saints in Jerusalem. And only one church wanted to give towards that. In fact, they were poor. And in fact, they begged Paul, please let us give, not just according to our means, but beyond our means. It was an insane heart attitude, and only the Holy Spirit could have done that. I really believe that. It's a powerful thing. This is about practical stuff. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 18. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. But their trust should be in the living God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give generously to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. Here's how this text has been misused in the church. Can you imagine where I'm going with this? I've seen pastors use this to club rich people. As in, see, you're wealthy, so don't get proud, and you should be giving much, much more. Therefore, he's telling them what to do, or she's telling them what to do. That is wrong. This is a message to the individual. The Holy Spirit doesn't need an extra nudge and a little extra help. All right? Those who have been gifted with much, yes, it's, it, here's what it's saying. But that means you and I are not allowed to look or judge at those who have much more. Because some of us in our world, we judge each other. Well, look at such a nice car. Look at this. Oh, look at their property. Oh. And we do all this judging. And they, we put an expectation on them. Stop it. This is between the Holy Spirit and you. The freedom. Can you hear the freedom? This is This is freeing. That means don't let people look at you either, as in, as in don't worry if they're judging you because now I'm telling the judges, stop it and put your eyes on yourself and on Christ. Because as you judge, you'll be judged to you. Just like whatever you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Whatever you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Same thing with judgment. Same principle. As you judge, you'll be judged. Don't do that. This is a freedom verse. Do you catch that? Is that pretty clear? Do I get a yes or? Okay, all right, just checking. Long one, but really important. Go with me on this. We've got lots of time. Yes, Romans 12. 
God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly, assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. This is about others centering. I heard Paul Anderson Walsh uh, use the term othering. And I went, what? What do you mean? He comes up with words. It's just, he's a wordsmith. But the othering attitude has to do with other-centered, which is what agape is. The root word agape means other-centered, which is a description of who God actually is, his essence. He is love. He doesn't have it as an app. It's not an attribute of God. It is who he is in his essence. He is love. This is big. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another. So when you're judging one another, you're actually hurting yourself. You stupid foot. Man, I wish I, wish I could grow another one. You know, like, you can't do that. You know, okay? You, you don't judge one another negatively. You do it in love and love one another and think of the needs of everyone else. So this is what it's all about. Um, God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the portion of your faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving, oh my goodness, there it is, to meet the needs of others, then you may prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. There's an actual gift of giving. I don't have that gift, (laughs) so I don't have to give. That's not what that means. Everybody has the um, uh, DNA of giving, so nice try. <laughs> but there are people who've been blessed with either being able to make a lot of money and give. And some even who don't have a lot of money still give, not necessarily in money, but in time and in, in things of the produce of whatever they make. Like They're just givers. They're just generous, sometimes to a fault. And sometimes become suckers. People take advantage of them. But it's a gift. It's a spiritual gift that God has given them. For those, encourage them even more. Like this is the whole body working together. It's not singled out. Can teachers, pastors, ministries, churches ask for support? Do you think this is a valid question? <laughs> this, is, this, this is a big issue. Because I've seen enough televangelists manipulate. And uh, I've been part of churches where, and unfortunately, I... I have a sad story. Back in the uh, Alliance Church I was at, I went to a board meeting and said, yeah, I'm going to start teaching on tithing. And the one guy spoke up, so, well, how are you going to do that? I said, well, I'll teach it right from the New Testament. And he said, well, 
Where exactly in the New Testament? It's there, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's there. Yeah, okay. You sure? Yeah, of course I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a new, for, for, you know, I'm, it's my first senior pastor role. <laughs> I got home. Oh, crap. It's not in the New Testament, the law of tithing. It doesn't exist as a rule. We covered that slightly last week. And time pending, I've got a clip from Paul Anderson Walsh, a three-minute clip that he taught this morning in England. And that little section is going to talk about the tithe in a way that could blow your socks off. I hope. I hope. So can they? Let's take a look what the Bible says about churches, me even as a pastor. Do I have the legitimate grounds to say, folks, you guys need to support this and this idea of, you know, if you're eating here, enjoy. Um, let's see what the scripture says. This is, again, not a club, but if I'm going to deal with the whole topic, I've got to deal with the whole topic. Let's see what it says. 1 Corinthians 9, 11 to 14. So if we've sowed many spiritual gifts among you, Is it too much to expect to reap material gifts from you? And if you have supported others, don't we rightfully deserve this privilege, this privilege even more? But as you know, we haven't used that right. Instead, we have continued to support ourselves so that we would never be a hindrance to the spread of the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that the priests employed in the sacred duty in the temple are provided for by the temple resources? And the priests who serve at the altar receive a portion of the offering in the same way. This is big. I never saw this before. In the same way, the Lord has directed those who proclaim the gospel to receive their living by the gospel. (laughs) For years, I I never saw this. I just didn't know this verse existed or this section existed because in my mind, I'd ruled it out under grace. I don't have to give anymore because there's no such thing as tithing anymore. And then Paul himself says, hang on, in principle, the principle, just like the typology of the Jewish sacrificial system, the Levites were never allowed to own land, and all the other 11 tribes of the 12, the other 11, were allowed to own land and make money, but they had to provide the resources for the work being done in the temple. In the same way, he's saying, look, if with the gospel being preached, it gives some room here. For, for even me to say, hey, guys, if, if you're enjoying this, please support this. It's not just about a salary. It's about all of this, the whole benefit of enjoying and growing in grace. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't hear any amens. <sighs> Galatians 6.6. 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Cool. Anybody have a BMW? Just kidding. Just kidding. This, but this is a principle of, hey, I'm allowed to. We are allowed to. Ministries are allowed to. If you're enjoying teaching from another teacher, and by the way, this is great for those parachurch organizations. Uh, World Vision, you know, is another parachurch organization. We support a child there. And we sometimes do that uh, uh, the Christmas gift thing. And we give to things like that. Um, we, I don't know, sometimes we benefit from it. I used to work for World Vision a long time ago. Loved, I love what they do. There are other ministries that I'm blessed by. I will send them money. Not, not because I'm obligated to, but because I'm thankful. I'm benefiting in my soul, in my growing, and in my maturing. I'm giving something back, and I'm practicing this more and more. Believe me, I am not going to teach this today if I'm not practicing this. 
That, I, don't, I cannot comprehend that. Some people may think, well, the pastor probably doesn't give the church because he's benefiting, he's getting a salary from it. Be kind of counter, you know, and if he gives, the, how does that work? I'm just like an employee. I earn a paycheck. I will give back. I benefit from connections with you. So it all works together. So that's, I'm going to model it. I expect our leadership team to model it too. You know, if you are part of this leadership team, you are going to be a participating giving person. Members, if you're a member, same thing. It's, it's how it works. If you're, again, online, if you see different ministries that you listen to regularly and benefit from, I'm, I'm saying this to those who are watching online, give to those places. Send something as a thank you, as a benefit. Quit being the cheapo taker, but become a giver. Okay, I'm not talking about the occasional video. I'm talking about you're regularly connected to and you're benefiting from. I think that's a good principle. Mike's rule, not biblical. I'm just saying, that's how I see it. First Timothy 5. The pastors, or elders is another term there, who lead the church well should be paid, paid well. They should receive double honor for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the Word of God. There's a principle here of paying your teachers really well. Now, here's where I cringe. Learjets. You know, fancy, huge, freaking mansions. Like, uh, I have a hard time with it. Is it okay they have it? I'm going to listen to the words I said earlier. Not look at them. I can't. Because now I'm going to become negative. I'm going to start judging these people who I think are doing it wrong and manipulating. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Christ and said, because that will speak truth to me instead of being focused on negativity. Get your eyes off all that stuff. And you deal with this in your own heart. It's far better. That way you don't have to misjudge and read people's intentions and hearts. I don't think any clergy, pastor, teacher has the right to use these texts that I've just given you as a club to make people give or guilt them into giving. I don't think there's any room at all for that. I think suggest with an open hand, will you support this? And if it's God's baby, guess what? What'll happen? Okay, thank you. It'll be supported. If it's not God's thing, it might die. And there are some man-made things that'll thrive because of manipulation How do you know the difference? It's none of your business. (laughs) That's back to the judging again. Wow. Healthy attitudes about giving. 1 John 2, we hear this uh, progression of growth. That's what that tree over in the wall is. The child, young man, father, child, young adult, adult. uh, The growth of maturity. And we've talked about it a number of times here in the church. But I want to show you what it can look like from that lens, how does, it, how does the idea of giving look to a child, I believe, to a young adult, and to an adult believer, mature believer? Here's what I've come to sort of see. A child. You need to teach a child to, in this topic, give. Teach them how and when. Like, this is, this is important to be taught. Otherwise, how are they going to learn? The child needs to learn. Just like parenting a kid, you have to teach them how to do things, brush their teeth, you know, and when they're almost teenagers, you know, teach them how to shave and teach them how to do this and you name it. All those things have to be taught so they can learn how to do it. So by the time they're fully adults, they're self-sufficient, able to care for themselves. So giving is one of those topics. So we need to teach the children. Young adults, those who are wrestling and maturing and growing the faith, questioning things and, and becoming who they are. 
they need to, uh, need to teach. They need to, you need to teach them and remind them. Some of them know already, but they need to be reminded of these things. Not as a law or guilt trip, but as here is what an abiding believer looks like. It's a natural overflow of an abiding believer in this topic to be giving. That's just how it is. For mature adults, they need to be reminded and encouraged and teach the child young adults. If you're a mature believer, you are part of the body of Christ growing and maturing. You get to encourage others to also grow and mature. That includes, if, if this, yes, this topic is about giving, but there are other behavioral things that also need to be taught in the same way. Stop doing some of these things because they're bad for you. It's not a law. And yes, Paul gives us some commands, but they're not laws. He's saying, look, don't do these things. It's not good for you. You're going to get hurt. Sin is going to punish you, not God. There are consequences. So that's what you, you have to teach children that. There's, trust me, a lot of the New Testament uh, commands there are for the growing believers. A lot of the reasons he wrote letters was because there were problems. And immature believers didn't know how to handle it. So he's giving them pablum info. Here, stop doing this. By the way, almost every one of Paul's letters, what's the first thing he does? He doesn't start with, okay, you guys got to stop doing these behaviors. He does not do that. He always begins with, know who you are in Christ. Know your identity. I'm reminding you of who you are at the core. Be who you are. And then he gets into, here's what it can look like. It's beautiful. Next, healthy attitudes of giving. This is from Don Keithley. Uh, I heard him teach on this subject. I love his mentality here. He says, Our purpose on earth as kingdom citizens is to take and spread the awareness and the influence of God's kingdom every, everywhere we go on earth. That, it's, it's a kingdom mindset. So when we think of giving, it's not just to the local place where you're participating in. This is about the spread around the world. Spreading good news. You remember the prophecy of Daniel, where Daniel interprets a dream for the king. And the, the dream is about the statue with the, the gold head, silver thingy, bronze, and the clay, and all, you know, the feet mixed with clay and whatever. Um, do you remember? Yes? Good. And what happens next? In the dream, uh, a rock is cut out, not with human hands. And the rock comes and smashes the feet of that statue, which is, by the way, the rock is Christ. It's Jesus. And the, the statue is smashed. The thing comes tumbling down. And here's the best part. It grows and covers the whole earth. The kingdom has come. Not coming. It has come. It has arrived. It's in you kingdom mentality. You are the light and salt of the earth. Be salt. Be light. Be who you really are. Speak to the light of Christ in others. They may not know it's there or it exists. To them, it's just darkness. They have no concept of it, so you speak to the light. I was so cool. Just yesterday, I was telling David about this at the funeral I did. Um, I was able to say, Jesus is not absent from anyone. His love is attached to everyone and everything. Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. There is no such thing as separation from the love of God. It's an impossibility. Powerful. 
Next, healthy attitudes. It's okay for church to have lights, sewage, property, things obtained from happily participating and benefiting from a giving economy. It's okay. Even, again, those larger churches that we may think, oh my goodness, I would not spend my money like that. Stop judging. Get your eyes off them and put it where you are planted. Be who you are where you are at any given moment. Quit looking everywhere else. You'll end up falling down the water like Peter did. He took his eyes off Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, the faith he has given you. This is powerful. God absolutely blesses materially, but it is only one form of his blessing, though. The New Testament shows this. He blesses us in many other ways, not just material, but he does bless us with material with things. And that's okay. Sometimes in our culture, we're a little bit, don't know how to handle material blessings because the health and wealth people have so messed up the gospel in my mind. And I want to find a healthier way to view the grace of giving, the grace of receiving. I should probably turn off my ringer. Anyway, give as the Lord leads. Each one must give as he has made up in his mind. This is a reminder that this is personal to you. Let people ask. Don't be offended by people asking. Take the request. Is this one for me? No? Okay, move on. That's okay. Don't be offended by the asking. But don't get sucked into the guilt trip and manipulation. And I have a little vial. It has a little tiny sliver of the cross, the original cross Jesus died on. And for 28 payments of $39.99. Don't. Don't. I just wish they'd be more honest. That stuff drives me nuts. I call scubula on that. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. This is a great reminder. How you give, it will come back to you one way or another. It's a biblical principle all through Scripture, Old and New Covenant. It's cross-covenant transferable. It's really cool. Giving should never be done either reluctantly or under compulsion. I kind of made that clear just a moment ago. God loves a cheerful, hilarious giver. Give no more than what you can give hilariously. I forget who said that. Otherwise, I put their name with it. But that's a neat thought. Give no more than what you can give hilariously. That's pretty individual. Attitudes of healthy giving. When you give hilariously, God is able to make all grace abound to you. What you have was given to you freely. Everything you have has been given to you as a gift. It's not yours. By the way, do you remember the, uh, the old covenant uh, tie, the 10% thing? Do you remember we talked about it's actually about 32 to 36%? If you want to go back to the Old, old Testament Jewish way of giving, it's like crazy high. How many want to vote for that change right now? Of all your income, you've got to give about 32%. Woo, no hands up. Well, can I tell you it's even worse under grace? It's 100%. Your whole being. And in just a moment, in just a moment, I'm going to show you a clip. We're going to have time. We're going to be all right today. This is great. But I'm just leading you into what to listen for when Paul speaks for about three minutes. When you give in this manner, you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Remember, this is a thanksgiving response. Being thankful for what you are benefiting from and how you're enjoying what you're enjoying. Ha ha, the typology of the tithe. Pause, Paul Anderson Walsh. 
<laughs> just so you know, I call them that. Um, but the typology of the tithe, there's something you're going to hear right now that's going to blow your mind. I hope, okay, it did me. Fine, but that's me. Hopefully it does to you too, and you'll hear something you may have never heard before and opens the floodgates, not of giving more, but the attitude of giving becomes owned by you. Let's see what we got. Lights out. One of the most wicked things that we've been taught, and you've all been taught here, by the way, um, is about the notion of tithing. And how many of you have not felt the weight of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10? Do you know what Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 is? Of course you know what Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 Every Christian knows what that is, right? Every Christian knows what that is, right? So, and here, here's what it says. Here's the verse. This is, this is the hammer blow, the preacher's favorite verse, this one. Particularly when we're, below, when, when we're not making budget. This is the one we hit you with, right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the one. You have been robbing God. You remember that story? And you all said, oh my God, it's true. I don't know what to do. And then you're having these awkward conversations because, you know, oh dear God. And you turn your brain all over the place and you get yourself in a terrible state. Now watch. Just quickly so you understand this. Nothing in the Old Testament means what it says. It, it's all typology, right? So you know this stuff already. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. So Joseph is a real character. Of course he is. But he's a type of Jesus Christ, right? What happens to him? He's sold into slavery by his brothers. Sold for a piece of silver. He's a type of Jesus. He's in, wrongly imprisoned. You know the story, right? The Exodus. What's the story about the Exodus? The blood that's on the lentil of the doorpost. What does that represent? It says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. What does that represent for us? It represents the cross and the Christ. Got it? Oh, we understand that, right? So we know that. And we can go all through the Old Testament and we can find all these types and we're very clever with them. But there is a type that we've missed. We didn't kind of, we haven't, we've just kind of went sailing on past it. Um, and that is this. The, the scripture tells us that the tithe is the first fruits. Isn't that what it says? Okay. Um, what if I told you that the tithe was a type as well? Because the first fruits are the believers. And the tithe is a type of the believer. So now listen carefully. Christians don't pay tithes. They are the tithe. So it says, listen, bring the whole Christian. Bring your whole self. You see, you've been taught that by not tithing, you're robbing God. But let me tell you something. By tithing under the law, you're being robbed of God. And the truth is, this is what the scripture says. Bring the whole of yourself into the storehouse. All of you. Everything you are. Give your whole self. Without reservation. Abandon all that you have to God. See if I will not smash open the windows of heaven and pour down blessing. <laughs> do, do, do you not see that? It's not about 10% net or gross. That's all nonsense. Go over that. 
It's about you recognizing that you and I are the tithe. And when we give ourselves to God, there will be food in this house. <laughs> so, have you heard that before? A little bit. Yeah. I love that mindset because now this is Christological teaching, Christ centered teaching. Not law clubbing. You must. But it's knowing who you are in Christ. As the, and we've talked about this here many times. Surrendering. Yielding yourself fully over to Christ. So when we talk about money, it's not about the 10%. Every economist, every financial counselor who helps families and individuals deal with personal budgets, they, they, usually it's broken down to 10% must go into savings. You've got to start saving something. 10% is to be given to charities. You need to be giving because the economy is built around generosity, people. And then the 80% do with what you will. 10%. 10 is a great goal. If, if Revisit your family budgets. Have a talk as a family about this. Find a new goal. Find a new way to give. Not just to the church where you're eating, but to other places too, in your community. Oh my goodness. Part of our giving here as a church, we give to the food bank. Depends, like different times. Like we help people with counseling that have trouble, they can't afford it. That's where benevolent money goes. Be generous with that. You're helping others, including some of those here. It's powerful. N.T. Wright writes this. I love this. When we start segregating the gospel out in under grace and under law titles, something I've done in the past, we miss the point entirely. Tithing was something Jews did. Only the Jews. As I said in yesterday's post, it didn't carry forward. Not because Jesus has freed you from the law, but because you're not a Jew. Paul's only referencing to money was simple. If you agree with what I'm doing, please help support it. It wasn't about legalism or grace. It was about agreement and friendship. Do we value relationship? Will we support one another in our various endeavors? Well, we should. N.T. Wright. Really cool summary. So how do we handle this whole topic of giving? What, what's our, the left hook? You thought you had it already. <laughs> I'll give you the left hook, and it's not what you expect. Colossians 3. Let your heart always be guided or umpired your mind by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his one body. And always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live or grow in you richly flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you by spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity or commitment of your lives and every word or oath that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. 
when we stop remembering what Christ has done for us, we become inverted and far more self-conscious. And we're not called to live self-consciously. That's what you've been set free from. You've been called to live God-consciously, seeing through His eyes. Do you remember that text from, I'm going to read it. I have it here somewhere. Yep. Look, a squirrel. Here it is. Oh, I love that. Love, love, love this. And it, just, it just clicked. Okay. Uh, as you know, God better. He'll lead to self-control. Self-control leads to patient endurance. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to your love for other Christians. Isn't that nice? And finally, you will grow to have a genuine love for everyone. That's the goal. That's the gospel. Loving everyone unconditionally. I have not arrived, I have to admit. If you saw some of the people around my neighborhood, no, no. But God, God softening my heart. And if you've seen some of the drivers, oh my goodness. Wayne, you've got to fix these roundabouts. Just kidding. They're actually better. They're getting better. <laughs> the attitude of all of this, not just the topic of grace giving, but every other topic, boom, this is the foundation. Remember who you are. Walk in thanksgiving, because thanksgiving people, thankful people, complain the least, are the least miserable. It's how God created us. Okay, I went four minutes over time. Not bad. But I hope this touches your heart. I don't want to have to, I will not teach on giving as a means to raise the budget, as we heard Paul say. Oh, you bring that one out when you're behind budget. That's not the point. If we're going to talk about being behind budget, we're going to talk about it as a family, not as a, here's a spiritual thing to emphasize and guilt you into. That's wrong. So my plea when I do talk about this is, hey, give if you're enjoying the fellowship here. We have electricity to run, stuff to take care of, salaries. The building's awesome, you know, that kind of stuff. Give to that, it's fine. You're allowed to. So I hope, I hope you caught my heart. I hope you didn't hear any manipulation or guilt stuff. I want to find a way to happily teach this message and this topic. <laughs> oh, dear God, I hope it worked. <sighs> Amen. Okay.